Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. Tell your neighbor, come together. That's the name of our series, uh, our message today. Week four is come together. Somebody say come together. If you can, please turn with me to, uh, I think it's Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1. Yeah, chap- Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We're reading 1 through 12. Are you guys ready for this? Are you ready for this? Tell somebody, say, strap in. Strap in. Say, strap in. Strap in. It's going to get, it's going to get. A little tight in the room today, amen, hallelujah, yeah, but we're all sons and daughters of the Lord, amen, there's no condemnation at the table, and if we wrestle with any of the things said today, just know that I believe the Holy Spirit is there to do that work in us, amen, so don't feel like you're condemned, Um, but this is a very important topic, especially at this church. We have on our wall, together we prevail. Come on, somebody. We got it on shirts. We got it all over social media. Amen? So if we can't do it together, we might as well shut the door of the church and be done. Hello. Right. Hello, Joe. So I I want us to, to dive into this today, and I want you to... Uh, I, we're going to do what my friend Ben Daly does. So lay your hands on your heart. What did he say? Uh, eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive everything you have for me. Amen? Come on. Uh, so let's, let's dive into this. Uh, verse 1 says, several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum. And the news quickly spread that he was back in town. So somebody say, back in town. Soon there were so many people crowded inside the house near him, uh, to hear him that there was no more room, even outside the door. Wow. While Jesus was preaching the word of God, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. But when they realized that they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, <laughs> because of the crowd, they went up on the top of the house and tore away the roof above Jesus' head. And when they had broken through, somebody say broken through. They lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of him. When Jesus saw the the extent of their, somebody say their. Whose faith? When he saw the extent of their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are now forgiven. He saw their faith and he said, my, my son, your sins are now forgiven. This offended. This offended. This offended. I'm going to say it again. This offended. Offended, offended, offended. Some of the religious scholars, religion, I'm, I'm a, Bless God. 
Some of the religious scholars who were present and they reasoned among themselves. Jesus was standing right there. Could have answered the question, but they decided to talk to themselves. Who does he think he is to speak this way? This is blasphemy, blasphemy for sure. Only God himself can forgive sin. Jesus supernaturally, so supernaturally, he was on a supernatural exploit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like I threw that in there, right? Supernaturally, Jesus uh, perceived their thoughts and said to them, why are you being so skeptical? Why are you being so skeptical? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are now forgiven or stand up and walk? I say to this man, stand up, pick up your stretcher and walk home. Immediately, the man was healed and sprang to his feet in front of everyone and left for home. When the crowd witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck and they shouted praises to God and said, we've never seen anything like this. My message, my assignment this morning is preaching message titled, Come Together. Somebody say, come together. Come together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you're going to say this morning. Thank you for those watching online. Thank you for those in here. God, I thank you that you would give us uh, heart and mind and ears to receive your word, God. God, I thank you, God, that this would be a graceful message, even if it cuts to the core, that we feel your grace through it. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. I felt very strongly, um, especially after you know, all the political stuff that happened this week. Um, I felt very strongly, and y'all know me. Now, if you've been here long enough, you, you'll, you'll get to know that I don't really like to dive into the political world because it's just messy, amen? There's a reason why they have a separation of church and state. Come on, somebody. Because uh, I don't need to try to convince you how to vote, who to vote for, whatever your... And it, that's not my job. My job is to show you Jesus and let Jesus do all that work in you. Amen? Amen. However that fleshes out with you and God, that's between you and God. Right. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I will never be the pastor that will stand here and use this as a political platform because I have no desire to do that. Amen. Amen. I have no desire to do that. Now, if you get on my Facebook page at the right time, in the right moment, I don't know what might be going on. I'm just saying, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I don't even use my face. I, I used to. I used to very much get into the, the arguments and the battles. And Bishop Tony Miller told me one time, he said, Fred, he said, uh, if you are always arguing with people online, your voice loses its effectiveness. He said, if you respond to every battle, when you speak, you have no effectiveness. Made sense. Not in the moment. I was like, no, nah, don't tell me that, Bishop. I got to say what I got to say when I say it. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, no, no, you need to learn how to say the right thing at the right time so people can hear the word of the Lord. So there are times where I'll, I'll say something, you know, like this past week, I decided that I'm going to... And it was not even to deal with the political issue. It was dealing with the church. Somebody say the church. Because I'm called to, I believe I'm called to help ch challenge the church to step up and be like Jesus. Amen. It is my heart and my passion for us as sons and daughters of the Lord to model what Christ did. We are with, one with him. We are in union with him. He said uh, that we would do greater works. We can't do greater works if we're doing different works. 
Oh, nobody want to hear that, right? If we're going to do a greater work than God, then we got to do what he did in a greater level. That means our love has to be... Oh. Come on, somebody. So, I, um, I wrote this message and I didn't even... What was going, what happened this week wasn't even going on. Or at least I didn't know. Because I don't really watch the news either. Because these folk are crazy in America. I mean, just, anybody, y'all, who, y'all need to stop watching. Put that news demon down. Amen, amen. <laughs> I cast out WYFF. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm uh, I don't even watch because I just, because it's so full of. I mean, you feel so much fear and so much anxiety and so much, so much hopelessness and all these different things. And I'm like, we have a savior. We have a king who sits on the throne. I know the world might feel like it's burning to, to whatever, but I know a savior who has come, who has said, I have already saved the world. Amen. Amen. In him, it's already complete to finish the work of the cross. Everything has been done, amen? And, and I know we face some hard times and we face these, these things. And so as I was, uh, as I prepped this message, I was really wanting to just talk about us as people, how we come together and how we love and how we uh, care for one another and how we lift each other up, amen? And when I was sitting down uh, finishing up, because I, I had a way I was going, the Lord started showing me something different in the scripture. Somebody say something different. And something different in the scripture. And, and I didn't understand why he was showing me this and why he was taking me this way. Because I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do it, Jesus. You ever done that? You ever cried to the Lord like that? I don't want to do it. You should try it. It's refreshing every now and then. Just to, oh, no, no, I don't want to. I was sitting on my, uh, 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 out on my patio, and I'm just hearing them talking with the Lord, and he's, he's showing me these things in the Scripture. Now, I want to give you some background on some context here, because, you know, I, I don't like preaching out of context. All right, I don't like preaching that comes from a place of just trying to make something up to fit whatever it is I needed to fit in the moment, okay? Um, and so we have, to, we have to learn how to, in Scripture, we got to put it in context so we can understand the audience, understand the people, understand the place, understand the time, the reason, all of it. Because when you begin to understand these things, when you understand the concepts of the context, guess what? Things begin to come more clearly and more free, and you begin to see the Word in a, way, in a better way. More revelation comes from the Scripture, Amen. And we got to learn how to lean into the context of the story. The context of the story is not an unimportant part. Come on. It reveals the characters. It reveals the theme. It reveals the, how people looked and accepted Jesus in that day. It reveals the temperature of that day, the spiritual temperature, how the church was in that day. Come on, somebody. And when you look at it, you can see a lot of how Capernaum was very much like us. When you start to look at the context, it's a, it's a, it, it was a city located uh, in the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. 
Uh, it was the chosen home of Jesus, right? After Jesus was driven uh, from Nazareth by religious officials. It was also the home of Peter and Andrew. And it's also the, where Jesus called them to follow. Amen? Jesus also found Matthew, the tax collector in Capernaum, right? So, so there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of rich history for Jesus with Capernaum. There's a lot of important details. Most of his, some, the, the three, some of the three, uh, the, really the two most important uh, disciples we know of, Matthew, two of the three or whatever, uh, is, was there. From there. He called them from there. Capernaum. Come on, somebody say Capernaum. I feel like when I say that word, Capernaum, Capernaum, whatever it may be. I don't know what it is. Jesus, he often referred to this place, and he, uh, he did a lot of his miracles there. He taught in the synagogue there. He, uh, it had been uh, the site of, of many proofs of Jesus' identity, and guess what? It was also the place where a lot of people refused to believe. That he was who he said he was. They saw the miracles. They heard about the miracles. They, they witnessed it. And they still didn't believe it. Oh, my word. Still didn't believe it. They still challenged him in every way. They were the people who refused to believe. And when you get over in Revelations, they're listed in the cities that was denounced. Oh, oh. Woe to you. Woe to you. Bethsaida, for the miracles that were performed, you have been formed, performed in Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented a long time ago, sitting in the sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, will be lifted. Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. That's in, that's in Luke. That's Jesus. He said, you going to be lifted to heaven, Capernaum? No, you're going to hell. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, go to hell. No, I'm sorry. No, don't say that. That's great. Like, Jesus, he wasn't no Like, they, they, they didn't even accept. They saw the miracles and didn't accept him. They saw his love and didn't accept him. They still challenged him in every obstacle, everywhere they could. They challenged him and did not believe who he was, who he said he was. It was in Capernaum that Jesus healed the centurion's son. He healed the nobleman's son. Uh, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed the, the paralytic that we're talking about today. In Capernaum, Jesus cast out unclean spirits. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and he healed a woman with the bleeding issue for 12 years. All this happened in Capernaum. Some of the greatest miracles that we love to preach and talk about happened in Capernaum. But Capernaum represents more than just his miracles. It also represents, for many, or it represents a place where many were exposed to the gospel. They enjoyed church. Come on. And they considered themselves Christian by association. Oh, 
Are you hearing me? They were familiar with Jesus. And because they were familiar with Jesus, they didn't take his word as serious as he said, as it was supposed to be taken. They got so familiar with Jesus that the miracles didn't really mean much to them. They got so familiar with Jesus that his words carry no weight in their heart. They got familiar with Jesus, so familiar with Jesus that a commandment to love people unconditionally was not even considered something that was okay. They were familiar with Jesus, so familiar with Jesus that they lost a sense of his power and his presence. Are you hearing me? The familiarity with Jesus and his word gives them a false sense of assurance that they are right with God when in reality, Jesus will say one day to them, away from me, you evildoers. You had a form of godliness, you denied the power. You had a form of godliness, you denied the power. You had religion, you didn't have relationship. You had every, you, you had law, you didn't have grace. You had, uh, uh, you, you didn't operate out of the spirit of truth. Somebody say truth. They refused to believe. They heard and saw what Jesus did. They refused to believe. Why? Why would they refuse to believe what Jesus, who he was? Would believing cost them too much? Would it, would it disrupt their comfortable religious life? Would a call to do exactly what God's called you to do disrupt your comfortable life? Would it cost you too much? Would a call for us to love people unconditionally cost us too much? Would it disrupt our comfortable life? Would, would, would a call for us to get out of our comfort zone and actually embrace somebody who's hurting cost us too much? Why don't we listen and follow the commands of Jesus? His first command, listen, his, his commands, he says all these commands, he said, but the greatest of these is love. Somebody say love. Oh, well, Pastor Fred, love is this and love is that. No, love is love. Love is God. When he's saying, I want you to love people, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Then there's one where he says, love your neighbor as I have loved you. Which limits any excuse that we are to treat people Terrible. Why? Because you don't treat yourself terrible. And if you do, we got to have another conversation. Amen. Because that ain't got nothing to do with uh, it. That's a whole different conversation that we need to have. Amen. But, somebody say but. Loving your neighbor like Christ has loved you 
removes excuses. Because how many of you know you know yourself? Amen. Come on, raise your hand. Just say, I know myself. I know myself. I know myself. And Christ still loved me. Hey, do you know you? Are you surprised that Christ still loves you? Maybe a little bit. Guess what? Take that and love the people around you like that. Would it cost us, what would it cost us to, to love people unconditionally? What would it cost us to care for those around us that are hurting? What would it cost us to come together? Not be divided. Not be separated. Not be pushing us people away. Not be pushing ourselves or each other away. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? Would it disrupt their comfortable religious life? Would it challenge them to repent of sin and, uh, and pride and love the unlovely and give up all to follow Jesus? Capernaum had a greater opportunity than most cities to hear and believe in Christ. They got to see him firsthand do miracle after miracle, yet they still didn't believe. And many of us today, we've seen evidence, we've seen, we've heard message after message, uh, and we've heard the evidence, and we've seen the evidence of loving people like Christ loves us. We've seen how it works, we've seen how impactful it can be, influential it can be, and we still struggle with it. Amen. I want to dive into our story today. Jesus' return to Capernaum. And the people heard about it. Listen, I was in, uh, Nic- I was in Nicaragua. And uh, it threw me off. Now, if, you, if you've never experienced this, it will throw you off. I was sitting out on the balcony because we went up to uh, Esteli. I was sitting out on the balcony. And all of a sudden, I hear this loud, what sounds like commercials. There's cars riding down the street, and it's got big old loud speakers. I'm talking about like straight up PA like these on top of the car. And they're playing commercials. And I was like, what is that? I mean, like, man, that's, I mean, I know we got, some people got stereo systems in, in America, but we don't put speakers on the out. I mean, they're in America too, but, you know, in the States, they don't put speakers on the outside. Come on, son, we ain't doing that. We go down for that. And they were like, no, that's how they, they advertise. That's advertising. Oh, so they just ride around just playing commercials real loud through the city. And I was like, boy, people in the States, they might shoot you for doing that. <laughs> Turn that music up. The people that heard about Jesus coming, it went around town very quickly. You got to imagine somebody riding through town. With donkeys with speakers on top, you know, just say, Jesus is in town. Jesus in town. Y'all ain't got no hype button. I wish I brought my hype button. 
Come to Peter's house. Come to Peter's house. Me, 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 me. Jesus is out. <laughs> Capernaum hits. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is in town. Y'all got to go see him and go get your... Word got around real quick, you know, DJ Fred up in the house, yeah. Got around quick, and, and the Bible says that so many people showed up to hear him that there was no room to let people in. Not even outside the door. Somebody say outside the door. And as this is happening, these four men show up, and they're carrying... This paralyzed man. Four men show up carrying paralyzed man. I would love to stop right here and just say you need to get you four crazy friends. Come on, somebody. Somebody say four crazy friends. Four crazy friends, all right? You need some people that'll, that'll, that'll help you out, okay? Carry you when you ain't feel like being carried, amen. Um, so, so these four men show up and, and this whole thing breaks out. They, they get there, they see they can't get in the door, so they go up on the roof and they pull the roof back and they break through and they drop this man down right in front of Jesus and Jesus heals him and does all this stuff, right? He, he forgives his sin, he heals him, amazing, amazing things, right? Check this out. As I was going through this, the Lord started showing me something. In this. And that's why I want to land today. I want to share a few things that I saw in the scripture that I think is huge for us. There, I think there are four types of people that we can relate to in this scripture. I'm just going to say four types of groups or four ways the church can be towards people who are broken. Okay? Four ways that we, as we make up the church, can be towards people who are broken. The first way is this. We can be a barrier. Somebody say barrier. They showed up. And it was so crowded. Nobody could get in the door. Even outside. Now, while we all want to celebrate that there was a bunch of people there listening to Jesus, four people brought somebody to be healed. Four people brought somebody to be made whole. Four people brought somebody lost. Four people brought somebody who needed a miracle. Four people thought it was important that I didn't need to be there to hear Jesus. My friend needs to be there to hear Jesus. Are you catching this? Four people thought it ain't about me. It's about this broken person that I, we don't even know if that guy was. They, they were all friends. The Bible never tells us that. But we know what we know is that these four men thought it was important enough that this guy would be healed, that they would carry him all the way to the house where Jesus was. And when they showed up, the Bible says it was so crowded. Come on, listen now. It was crowded. They couldn't even get in the door. There was a barrier between Jesus and this man's miracle. And that barrier was the people who were at church. Just to listen. I'm here just, oh, he's here. 
Jesus in the background selfie. I, listen, listen, I, I, I love y'all and I want you to hear me and I want, you, I want you to hear my heart as a pastor. I never want Prevail to become a place where you just come to church just to hear. Come on, somebody. We have got to learn how that this is the time we come to engage and be in the presence of God. We come to fellowship together and we come to lift his name up and, 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 and make his name great and make him famous. It's not just another hangout on a Sunday morning. We are here for a miracle, for a reason. You come in here to get reminded of who you are in Christ. You come in here to get reminded of who, what God has done for you. It's not about just coming to be here. And I love it for all of us to go the next step and just say, you know what? My broken friend needs to be up in here too. Come on. Baby, you didn't come to church with me. Well, I, I, I go to church. I'm looking at your life. You, you sure you go to church? I'm just kidding. You just looking sad, baby. You got to know who you are in Christ. You know, most of the people, I'm a, can I just be real with y'all, that most of the people don't hear this kind of preaching at church? They're not hearing that who they are in Christ. They're not hearing the identity. They're not being told that they're loved. They're not being told to, being reminded that, that they are God's beloved. And now they have a seat at the table. You know, they've been told, they've been told you're a sinner and you need to be saved and you need to be doing this. And I, and I get all that. And, they, and people were preaching in sin. And, and today there are a lot of pastors standing and celebrating for political reasons in their pulpit. Come on. Standing in there and they're probably excluding people who have been hurting, who probably walked through this, this issue and this stuff in their life. And, and people feeling broken and fearful and all these different things. And we will stand and celebrate. And, and that's happening in our pulpits today. But I'm here to let you know it's not about coming just to listen to a political message or a nice pretty message. I want you to have an encounter with Jesus. I want something that happens that rocks your identity, that tells you who you are in Christ. Come on. And I want us to not be barriers to the gospel. We can't be barriers to the gospel. We can't be barriers to people hearing who they are in Christ. There can't be barriers to people hearing the, the, un, the, the unapologetic word of God telling them that they are beloved, unconditional, beloved, loved sons and daughters of God. Fully accepted. That is the finished work of the cross. That's it. Are you hearing me? But many of us are barriers. Maybe not y'all. Maybe not y'all. Maybe not y'all. But there are a lot of people that are barriers. And you know what I love about this? The people that were in there in the barrier, they, they were good folks. They probably didn't even know they were barriers. They were good folks. They, they were just filling space. I just want to listen. Also, there's nothing wrong with listening. But there's something wrong with that when you see somebody coming through and need a miracle, you don't move out the way. Oh. They saw the crowd. They knew they couldn't get in and nobody was like, oh, no, 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 man, we'll make a way. You got to, no, bro, you got to, 
You got to do it on the mat. We're going to make sure he gets to the front. Nobody. So what they do? Carry him on top of the house. So we can be a barrier to the gospel. Like many in Capernaum, we can become a barrier to the gospel. We don't need to become barriers to the gospel. We need to be what our next point is, is we need to be bearers of the gospel. Somebody say bearers. Not a barrier, but a bearer. Listen to this. The four men came carrying the broken. They came bearing the weight. They looked at this man and said, you know what? You're going to get your miracle and we're going to make sure it happens for you. We're going to carry you to your miracle. I'm going to lift. I'm going to exert some strength because I want to see you have a breakthrough. I'm going to exert some strength because I want to see you saved. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you in the feet of Jesus. And many of us need to learn that we don't need to give up on people because they're broken. We need to learn how to just exert a little bit of strength. And let me get you to the feet of Jesus because I know exactly what you need can be found only in his presence. It ain't in the alcohol. It ain't in the drugs. It ain't in anything else. It's in Jesus only. Somebody say Jesus. And if I could just walk a little bit, I don't mind carrying a little bit of weight to make sure that you with your broken situation get to the Lord. I don't mind having a little bit of time and spending a little bit of time and being patient with you and being kind to you and being, you know, not annoyed with you when you get on my nerves. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I can I can deal with a little bit of that because I know if I get you to the feet of Jesus, you will be saved. Not only will you be saved, you'll be completely forgiven and not only will you be completely forgiven, you will be healed of all your ailments and what you can, what we carried you in on, if I get you to the feet of Jesus, you'll begin to carry that thing out in front of everybody. Come on somebody, if I can get you to the feet of Jesus, your life will become a testimony, become a message, it'll begin to change the world around you. If I can get you to the feet of Jesus, I don't mind carrying you because I want to invest in you because I want to see God do a work in you that I that, that, that will leave me going, I've never seen anything like this. I want to see you at the feet of Jesus because I want to be able to witness God use you in ways that I never thought imagined. I want to see you at the feet of Jesus because I want to see what the next chapter of your life is, not where you are. I don't want to hold you there any longer. I want to see you like Jesus sees you. I don't mind bearing the weight of the broken. I don't mind bearing the weight of the broken. I don't mind standing there hugging you for 15 minutes if it takes 15 minutes for you to have a moment with Jesus. I don't mind coming to sit at your house and just listen to you rant if it leads to a moment with Jesus. We need friends in good times and bad times. We need people that will learn how to bear our brokenness. And we need to be the kind of people that learn how to bear brokenness. Not afraid, not to push them away. Come on, somebody. Me and Logan were talking about this this week. 
I said, bro, listen, this whole church is a church of misfits. <laughs> Come on. Come on, somebody. I think the term was red flag. Or something. I said, everybody in here going to be a big walking red flag. Come on, somebody. All of us. What we have to learn to do is say, am I called? Have I been graced to walk the journey with this person? Now, you ain't, walk, you ain't graced to walk the journey with everybody. Come on, man. And you ain't graced to walk the journey with everybody all alone. Uh, there was four men. Imagine if one of them would have been trying. They would have been dragging him. The difference from, uh, between being carried and dragged is help. Wow, that's a word right there. That's a word right there. And some of us, we keep trying to help. We keep trying to deal with people on our own when we need to get help so we can stop dragging people. They need to be carried, not drugged. Amen. Oh. So we can be bearers to the gospel, or we can be bearers of the gospel. Or we can be, like the four men, we can be breakthrough to the gospel. Somebody say breakthrough. 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 Are you looking for a breakthrough? Breakthrough. No, y'all know about that. When they could not break the barriers, the barriers, after they had carried this man, we don't know how long they carried this man. They couldn't break the, bar the, the, the barrier. They couldn't get through. They carried this man. We don't know how long they carried this man. We have no clue. But they found that his miracle was so important that they were not going to give up. Because of the crowd. Wow. I used to say this to, to uh, when, you know, one time a preacher's message uh, off this, I, I said this, don't, co don't consult a crowd for your compassion. Don't consult a crowd when it's time to be compassionate. Are y'all catching what I'm throwing out there? Stop consulting the crowd. If God called you to be, have compassion on a person, have compassion on a person. Come on, somebody. Well, you know, I just want to see what my Christian faith say. <laughs> Your Christian faith say, love everybody. Okay, I'm going to make it clear for you. Well, let me call my pastor. Don't call me. I'm going to say, why are you calling me about having compassion on somebody? Isn't that what Jesus would do? Well, let me call my mama and see what my mama would say. Your mama going to say no because she's always protecting you. She don't want you to get hurt. Oh, my dad. Don't call your dad. Lord Hammers. They didn't give up. They didn't consult the crowd. They decided that this man's miracle was important enough for them to come and pull him up on top of the house. Bro, listen. You're on the mat. Hey, man. Now listen, I know you might be a little discouraged, but we ain't done, okay? We got another plan. We're going to need you to hold 
on. Amen. Because we about to lift you up. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. We ain't going to just carry you. We're going to lift you so we can get you in the right place. The right place for a miracle. Are you, li- oh, y'all, are y'all catching what I'm saying here? He, they lifted this man up, they pulled the roof back, and they dropped him down. Somebody say dropped him down. And the Bible says they did when they broke through. They broke through. They laid, lowered him down in front of Jesus. What am I saying? We can be barrier, we can be bearers, or we can be breakthrough. Come on. At times, we've all been in one of these places. Amen. But I promise you, I believe that we should be bearers of the broken and we should be breakthrough for the broken. Amen. We should love and be compassionate enough for people to say, I want to get you at the feet of Jesus. Because, listen, everything you need is found in his presence. Every ounce of your healing is in his presence. Every ounce of your miracle is in the feet and the presence of Jesus. Everything that you need is found in Jesus. Nobody else, nothing else. No, I want you to hear me like I, guys, I'm telling you it doesn't matter what step programs we go through. None of this stuff. It matters if we get to Jesus. Now, the other stuff I'm not saying is not effective. Don't you put words in my mouth. It is very effective. It is helpful along the way. But there is something about the name of Jesus that can soothe a a warring spirit. There is something about the name of Jesus that can step in the middle of a depressed soul and bring life. There is something about the name and the grace of Jesus that can heal a wounded, broken heart. There is something about the name of Jesus that can turn a situation around in the middle of a storm. There is something about the name of Jesus that when you don't see a way out, the name of Jesus and when you start claiming and you have a relationship and you have the presence of God and he begins to make ways when there is no way there's something about the name of Jesus that changes everything at the feet of Jesus we gotta get to the feet of Jesus the feet of Jesus we gotta have the compassion for people somebody say come together To help people get to the feet of Jesus. Gotta be breakthrough. Somebody say breakthrough. Breakthrough. Don't be a barrier. Be a breakthrough. Don't set up barriers. Be breakthrough. Are you catching what I'm saying? Be a breakthrough. Be safety for people. Be peace for people. Be be a place where people can experience a move of God. Amen? Amen? We got one more. Y'all ready? This is the last one. Somebody say last one. Many of us can be a basher or bashing the gospel. Yep. 
In this story. In this story. In this story, there was barriers. There were bearers. There were people who were breakthrough. And there were people who were bashing. Maxwell Jacob, go sit. There were barriers, bearers, breakthroughs, and bashers. The word bashing means this. Are y'all ready for this? Abuse against a group or individual based on identity or ideological, whatever. Ideology, beliefs. Ideological beliefs, there it is, bless God. I had to take a minute just to. Abuse against a group or individual based on the identity or ideological beliefs. Like the religious elite in the room, we can be found bashing the gospel message. Oh, I told you I was going to get tight. Told you. Didn't I tell you? We can find, be found bashing the gospel message. I love what they said. Jesus, Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and said to them, why are you being so skeptical? When Jesus saw the extent of their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are not forgiven. First of all, your faith can... It's, it's incredible the implications here. Their faith is what caused this man's forgiveness. Wow. Wow. Are, are you listening to this? Are you hearing me? This is the implication. Jesus saw their faith and forgave his sin. He saw the that goes against everything I've been taught. I got to confess my own sins and confess my own. He saw their faith, forgave his sin. Yeah. That, it's in the scripture. Okay? If you're going to come at me, come for the scripture. And you're going to have to talk to uh, Mark because, you know, that, that was all. He saw their faith and forgave his sin. Do you have the kind of faith for someone that their sins can be forgiven and they not even? Wow. Oh, my Lord. Wow. He saw that faith and he said to paralyzed man, your sins are, forgiven, are now forgiven. We don't know if the paralyzed man even believed at that point. But we do know his friends did. We know the four men believed enough 
that he got forgiveness. (sighs) Verse 6, this offended... I, I love to read that. This offended. Offended, 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 offended. Some of the religious scholars. How? Do y'all mind if I just say a few things? Because I think what was happening here is what we see happening today. Some of the religious folk are offended that she can be forgiven for that. Or he can be forgiven. Are you serious? It is sad to read in the scripture that the religious elite were not offended they were they were offended by this man's forgiveness they were offended because this man's sin was forgiven you have to understand the, 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 what's going on here because this man is laying on a mat in front of them and usually what the questions are is who sinned in your family who in your bloodline did this? What, what happened? We want to know your story. Please tell us all your sin issues right now. Okay? We need to know why you are in the condition you are in. And Jesus said, I don't need to know all that. What I know is I saw their faith and they believed enough. I don't even know what's going on with you, but you are now forgiven. Wow. You know what the struggle for them was? Is that Jesus forgave his sin but left his condition? Oh, wow. oh, y'all ain't catching. Jesus did not immediately change his condition, he left his condition intact, but he forgave his sin. What are you saying, Pastor Fred? There are people in the church that are still in the same condition, but they are definitely forgiven. I want you to hear me and hear me clear. When you come into a relationship with Christ, the Bible's very, very clear. We are fully accepted. We are fully accepted into the family of God. We have been paid for by the cross. The price is fully paid. There is no more work for you to be saved well pastor Fred I still struggle with my sin issue I still struggle with anger I still get a little ticked off with everybody at the the stoplight I still guess what Jesus it never even says that Jesus was planning to heal this man's condition we never even I, I wonder I just wonder if the religious league wouldn't have got so offended if Jesus would have left this man's condition intact. I wonder if he would have been forgiven. I wonder if forgiveness was enough without changing the condition. Oh, my word. I wonder in our churches if we can just believe that God forgives sin and we don't have to see an outward change. Oh, it's, it's heavy. Y'all signing off online. 
Well, they can't keep doing that, Fred. When they come to Christ, the Bible is very clear. No, 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 no. The Bible is very clear that when they come to Christ, he's forgiven all sins. He wants to change who they are, not what they do. When we keep bringing the cross down to a very base level of actions and behaviors, when it's really about identity. Are you hearing me? We don't know if Jesus was even planning to heal this man. But what we do know is that he forgave this man. What we do know is that he had forgiveness before his condition changed. What we do know, he was still laying on the mat, still paralyzed and fully forgiven. He was still in the middle of the crowd in front of everybody. He may have had his condition, but he still had forgiveness. And guess who that offended? The religious scholars. Oh, this is blasphemy. You can't. Somebody sinned in his line. He can't live with forgiveness and still have his condition. How dare you? Who does this man think he is? And I love that Jesus goes, wait a minute, bro. Hold up. Back up a couple steps. Let's, let's, let, 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 let me tell you. First of all, I'm listening to your thoughts. Okay, so there's that. Okay. You can't hide nothing from me, okay? So just in case you wonder, stranger things on point, all right? I'm listening to your thoughts, bam. Secondly, which is easier? For me to forgive this man's sin or for me to heal him? And when you read the scripture, immediately I think, oh, what, what Jesus is talking about which is easier for him. No, no, no. He's talking about which is easier for you to accept. Why are you having such a hard time that I can forgive sin without changing condition? So it's easier for you to accept an outward appearance versus an internal change. Guess what? It's still the struggle of the church today. We got to see people change on the outside before we believe that God has done a work. If they still cussing, maybe Jesus ain't doing nothing. If they still gay, maybe Jesus ain't done nothing. If they still sleeping around with everybody, maybe Jesus ain't working in their heart. What if they're forgiven but still have a condition? And you making a judgment on our appearance. And God says, I, re- I, I done done a work. Oh, 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 by the way, he communes with us. We're one with Christ. So we really don't know what's going on on the inside. We might see an outward struggle. The Bible is very clear that this outward appearance is perishing away. It's passing away constantly. Come on, somebody. Right? You know, I feel 21 on the inside. Amen. But I'm, I'm, I'm perishing away. Come on. <laughs> Constantly, yes. But on the inside, there's a party going on. There's a party going on. In my mind, I'm doing some rip, the dance moves I used to do, flipping and 
If I tried it now, I'd break every bone. Break every bone. Imagine this though. Somebody struggling with a sin issue on the outside, but on the inside, man, their heart belongs to the Lord. And it's a struggle. And yes, it's a struggle, but they know that they belong to the Lord. Guess what? When I first got saved, my outward appearance. Yeah. Ooh. And I would have people that, oh, boy, you need to, you need to change. You need to go do this and go do that. I'm like, listen, I have a moment with Christ. I, there's not, I know that I belong to the Lord. I know he is mine. And I know, I know. And yes, I'm still struggling with my condition, but I am his. There's nothing that can separate. That's the resolve I have. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, what condition I'm facing, what problem I'm going through. I know I am his. Jesus forgave this man's sin before he healed his condition. It offended the religious elite, and it's still happening today. It's still happening today. Churches like this one where we tell people to come and listen, you come here and we want you to know that you're fully accepted and loved. No, and then I get paid. Pastors always tell me, well, you can't be telling that kind of man. You can't just tell. No, that's good news. That's what we call to preach. It's called good news for a reason. And yes, I can tell people they're fully accepted because that's the good news. He did the work. He, the cross has been, it's been settled. The issue is done. And guess what? You might still be struggling with whatever condition, but it does not change the fact that you have been bought with the price of Christ's blood. You're now part of the family of God. You now have a seat at the table. And there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And there should therefore now be no condemnation from those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm going to end with this, these scriptures right quick. Second Corinthians 5, 14 to 21, it says this, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly, because we are convinced that he has given his life for all of us. Somebody say, for all of us. This means all die with him, so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but live but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. So from now on, we refuse. We what? To evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. I refuse to judge people by their conditions. I refuse to judge people by their actions, their behaviors, what they do. Come on, somebody. I refuse. Well, somebody's got to be trustworthy to be called trustworthy. We refuse to evaluate people by their outward appearances, merely by their outward appearances, for that's once 
That's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him in a limited human sight. Limited what? Limited what? Now, if anyone is enfolded in Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliating, reconciliating others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. Not even keeping records of their 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 transgressions. And he has entrusted us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carried the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Let me help you understand something. If your message, if your talk to somebody, if your social post, I don't care what it is, if it ain't wrapped in grace and mercy and love and acceptance and glory to the Lord, it is not the gospel. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled, reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. It's powerful words, man. In other words, it was through the anointing one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgression. God was watching over the world watching all the mess-ups and the issues and they didn't even keep a record. Shepherding the world didn't keep a record. And then he says this, listen, listen. And he has entrusted us to the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. It's Paul talking what, 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 what's, what's happening here? Paul is saying, we were reconciled. We were made new. Now it is our job to offer that to the world. And how do we do it? We offer it to the world by not keeping records of transgressions. I really want to challenge us to really search our hearts today because for many of us, sometimes we're so strapped and trapped in religion, we don't even realize where it creeps through. It seeps through the crack. 
and we'll latch on to things and we'll see things like what happened to, to political climate and stuff this week and we'll latch on and we'll, and we'll start and we'll say something and it's not, it's not truly who we are in our heart but we'll say it out of a religious heritage that is so grounded in us and they're like, oh yeah well that's you know that's what God wants and God's like no 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 I have told people they're fully forgiven free set free their past is no longer their, their future none of this matters and, 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 and we have to learn how to extend grace and mercy and not only that we got to learn that we are the ambassadors of Christ and we are now responsible for the ministry of reconciliation. Somebody say, I'm responsible for reconciliation. It is important that you recognize this is, this is something I had to come to. When I used to like, I would just and this is the conversation, because this is why Bishop had to get on me. Because I would post whatever came to my head, essentially. I would say whatever came to my head. If somebody made me mad, I would say it. And I would be so hateful, and I would spew it, and I would say so many things. And, 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 and God spoke to me and said, no, 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 my God. It was Bishop, Bishop, you got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing that. And here's, here's the thing. And I love, and I'm saying this as a father to all of us. Listen, listen. We carry the weight of ambassadors. Where's that music come from? We carry the weight of ambassadors. Somebody said we carry the weight of ambassadors. Which means when you open your mouth, it's as if though God was speaking to them through our lips. And if you call yourself a believer, maybe you're online or you're in this room and you call yourself a believer, what does God sound like coming from your mouth? You sound like an angry king? An angry dad waiting to whoop and punish all his children, send everybody to hell? Or does he sound like a loving father that we sing about and we proclaim in our churches all the time? Does he sound like the God that you sing about on Sunday? Or does he sound like the dad that you hate on Monday? What does he sound like when it comes to your lips? I am, I, listen, I, I know I may seem real passionate about this, but nothing, nothing makes me burn more than seeing broken people get kicked down by the church. We should be the place where they find safety, they find freedom, they find love, they can be real, they can be honest. Yet we become the place where we tell them to stay away. We 
we become the place where they're the most unwelcome and they struggle to come to our church. Come to our churches. It breaks my heart when I talk to somebody. Uh, I, I talk to somebody, and, and, and you know they—they're gay or whatever it may be. And they're talking to me, like, "Oh, you're a pastor." I'm like, "Yeah." And I mean, "Where's your church?" And I'm like, "You know, it's over in Taylor's Mill." You know, if I came to your church, would I be welcome? Of course. I mean, I just—I don't know. I don't know. You seem like a real good dude. I, I feel like you'd be a pastor that would be very cool, but I don't been burned too much. I'm scared to go in church. I'm scared to trust them people again. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I hear stories like that. It breaks my heart to know that there are women, and I'm about to get real political for a minute, so get ready. There are women in the world who've had abortions that will never speak up now because they will feel like they will be judged, kicked out of their church, or made to feel shamed and guilted. I don't care where we stand on the issue. I don't care about any of that. I don't care where you stand, where you are morally. What I do care about is that we are not going to make people feel like damaged goods. And can I just talk as a father? Y'all okay with this? It's not going to be okay at Prevail. I love you, but you ain't never seen me come on glue. I will send you a text message, call you or something, and say, what is going on with you? It's what Bishop did for me. It was, it was loving. It was loving. It was very loving. But he essentially said, buddy, come on in. Because that's not who you are. I know your heart. I know your love for people. And I know that you care for people in a way that doesn't match what you're saying online. Yep. <laughs> it's like, bitch, leave me alone. Don't ever call me again. What am I trying to say? I am saying church. Maybe not all y'all online because y'all, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm saying church, at least prevail church. We're going to be the hands and feet of God. We're going to love people like Jesus. We're going to be willing to carry the weight. We're going to be willing to be the breakthrough. We're going to be willing to move out the way so we're not a barrier. Come on, somebody. And we're not going to get offended by people's forgiveness. We're going to celebrate forgiveness. We're going to celebrate. Even if their condition don't change right away, we're going to celebrate. Come on, somebody. Yes. Even if their condition never changes, we're going to celebrate the freedom in Christ that they have found and through forgiveness that comes only from Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's the church we're going to be. We're going to be a church that comes together. We're going to be a church that invites and welcomes all people. We're going to be a church that's for everybody who's from every walk of life. Come on. We're going to be a church full of red flags, misfat, misfits, <laughs> all whatever, misfats. <laughs> Y'all like, 
You can't say that. Are you hearing me? We're going to be a church full of broken, rejected people who have found peace and grace and, and, and healing and mended in the presence of God. We're going to be a church that is hosting God's presence. Amen. And when people park these doors, they pull in the parking lot, they drive down the street, they drive down Way Hampton, they drive in grill, they go, man, there's something over near Taylor's. I don't even know why I don't even understand. It's the presence of God. That's the church we're going to be. That's the church we are. Amen? I didn't know why God gave me this message for this week. I didn't. And then I learned why. And I want you to hear me listen. I love you all, and, and I promise you, wherever you stand on the issue, that is, it's your, your decision to stand there. Amen? But no matter where you stand on the issue, we're not going to spew out hate. We're not going to make people feel less than. We're going to talk about a God who offers freedom and forgiveness. We're going to talk about a God who doesn't hold past against anybody. Amen? And the other thing that we're going to do, and I'm just going to say this, we're going to get context of stories. We're not going to hear, oh, such and such got an abortion, and that really just makes me mad. They murdered a child. Get the context. Because context changes things. What if they're getting beaten to a pulp every single day? Sorry. I didn't mean to get political. Context changes things. Come on. Also, Lord, should I say it? Should I say it? Should I say it? <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out there. Murder is a condition of the heart. Murder is a condition of the heart. Are you hearing me? Are you catching this? I had this conversation with somebody, and somebody just said this, and it was very profound. Murder's condition of the heart. We got gun owners in here. Right? No. <laughs> Everybody's, no, I don't own no gun. We got gun owners in here. You own a gun. Guns can kill people. You decide if you want to kill somebody based on the context of the story and the condition of your heart. I'm just leaving that right there for you, okay? 
not trying to sway anybody, but I want you to understand it's much bigger issue than we like to give it. I know some people are going to come for me on Facebook and they're going to, you know, whatever. And you can pull up all, any day, all day. Okay? I'm not trying to change or tell you where to stand on the issue or how to act. I am going to tell you there's more to the story than what we like to give it. And we need to recognize that and we need to step back and say, God, how can I be like you in this situation? Because I don't really know the full context. I don't know what happened. I know what I've been told about the issue. I know what I've learned about the issue. But I want to know the people behind the issue and how I can have compassion for them. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's reversed or reversed again or reversed again. There are going to be lines and lines of broken, hurting people who are going to have to make decision after decision about a life, about their life, about uh, unborn life whatever it may be because we as the church hadn't stepped up we created barriers we created walls and we said don't come here with your issue and if you're doing all that and uh, get out of my church and then we get mad at them when they go make decisions because they ain't got no support system sorry okay I'm getting off my soapbox now. <laughs> I'm down. I love us. I do. I love us all. I... I do. There's a lot of other things I can say. I'm not going to say them. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just going to go ahead and close this message. Let's, let's stand and pray. <laughs> I should like Y'all remember Rio? Rio. Rio used to always say to me, you need to run for some office, a political office. I'm like, Rio, no. I'm not that guy because somebody make an ad on me, I'm showing up at their house. Knocking on the door. Let's talk about this ad that I saw on TV last night while I was eating my chicken wings. <laughs> It'd be live on Facebook too. Congressional District Candidate Fred John punches. <laughs> that's why, I'm telling y'all, that's exactly why. Because I still, you know, I've been forgiven. I still got to cover my conditions, okay? <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you for those under the sound of my voice. Thank you for those watching. I pray that we would, we would learn to lean into your grace and mercy. God, that we be people of God who model and reflect your heart and compassion in the earth. God, we're not at war with the world. We're not trying to fight the world. We're not trying to beat them at anything. We're trying to win them over to Christ. God, we want them to be with you. And God... Let us be the kind of people who wouldn't create barriers, but we would carry brokenness. Let us be the people who wouldn't create barriers, but we would create breakthrough. 
so that people can find you, so they can encounter you, because you change lives, you change hearts. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our life. And I speak peace over your people. And God, we pray for our nation right now. We pray for your incredible peace to flow over this nation. Thank you that your will be done in this nation. Thank you that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.